1: I think we both enjoyed the last two episodes of bojack horseman season four i don't know what we're going to do going forward lots to talk about but the one thing that really quickly stood out to me that i was like aha is when he hands over the phone number to the dads mm-hmm. and right before he says where she's located it flashes up and it's a 612 area code and it's like immediately like i know those phone numbers <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah well yeah i'm i'm only starting to get uh intimately familiar with the 612 and the 651s and the i got a phone a a call from like 218 or something ridiculous like that way up north country i think it is yeah way from nowhere but yeah minneapolis land O' lakes
1: what did you think of how 411 was framed
0: that was really really good i mean it's in some ways that's sort of like how my memory works with the like <laughs> blank faces on like past actions, but like the people the important people are like filled in, but the kind of like the the faceless people. Yeah. That was sort of and the lady was like, Is this sort of like a PSA about dementia? And I guess that sort of is it is sort of true that this is a really because the way that she's going through Beatrice mm-hmm. going through this is in the present and in the past at the same time, which is oof,
1: that'd be a rough. End of life, it's stuff. a weird one. And her timelines were all intermingled her as a child, child her as a, a debutante, <laughs> her and <laughs> her in her later raising Bojack life.
0: Yeah, the debutante part is something that we are have no familiarity with, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Yeah, that's,
1: huh, that's, it was also a really interesting way to reveal a big twist yeah it was absolutely
0: yeah because that whole episode i didn't know if that was going to be another one of the underwater kind of episodes where it didn't mean anything but then at the very end it's like oh i see exactly what has what has happened
1: yeah i, l- I like the parallel that you just drew to the underwater episode because at the end of it you're just like oh it was all to set up this one big joke but this episode is all to set up this big reveal and change incited in bojack that is also pretty unexpected for him as a character.
0: Oh yeah, no that and he he's a little bit more fitting as an older brother than as <laughs> as, a, as a father. He's
1: pretty fitting as an older brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh and what about the MLB? You know, we actually there actually is still stuff going on. The fantasy season is of course over, but it's time for us to then just enjoy the majesty of baseball and for you this involves I, we might have to call them your favorite team. I'm not sure.
0: My favorite team still in the playoffs. Yeah, the <laughs> Houston Astros. With my beard getting a little bit longer, a little bit oranger, I'm primed to be rooting for them. I guess.
1: Indeed, you are. Few good storylines to pick up on here. Um, Dallas Keuchel is back. Dallas Keuchel is back. He's back in
0: in force. So he. So people like Justin Verlander don't have to
1: be. That's right. This was. I mean, this year, you know, was. Definitely a resurgent year for Dallas Keuchel. He had one basically. If you stuffed them all together, he had one down month, but the rest of it, and I mean an injury, obviously, but the times that he was pitching, by and large, he was an absolute ace.
0: Right. He was the guy that you drafted with a first round pick last year.
1: Yeah, I uh, I drafted him for this year last year.
0: <laughs> but doesn't this happen? I feel like this happens a lot with um with guys as they come up, they have that when they have that first really good year, they'll have a step back the next year. And then the year after that, they have the step forward and it's either, either it's a full step forward or it's a step back to what they were, but you know, the prior year,
1: I think that's, I mean, I completely agree from a gut perspective and this, this, not being not a gut podcast makes me intrigued that that's a project for us in the near future mm. identifying the uh, the step back step forward guys for next year
0: Sloan 2019
1: <laughs> how about we just do it for <laughs> the pod because we need it for next year <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: no, that's, good point good point yeah we'll have to do the well we'll be called the sophomore slump oh analysis. that's a
1: good one I like that uh, and yeah. you know no discussion of the Astros is complete without Jose Altuve
0: he's good he is darn good how is he hitting so many home runs well, he's
1: been i mean yeah great question not only is he good he does everything with with style you know he draws so much attention and brings so many highlights oh, yeah when he's out on the baseball field it's insane
0: little mighty mouse out there
1: all right this week on the pod uh hot on the heels of our announcement last week that we had had an abstract accepted to the Sloan conference and we are working on writing a paper. Eric is going to talk about how he's basically whipping me into shape to do some work on this and uh helping to keep <laughs> me and my unstructured time in line and so he's going to present how we planned for the project going forward on what feels like a pretty tough tight timeline oh yeah Uh, and then I'm going to talk about the initial work that went into this a lot of setting up the baseline data scraping so that we don't have to worry about that in the second half let's take it away Eric
0: all right project management I know that we talk quite a lot about data science and um, kind of well computational methods statistical methods fantasy baseball fantasy literature well why don't we add another topic project management <laughs> so mike and i were bantering before we started recording and i asked him do you have any experience with project management and that was a big fat
1: as an emphatic no <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and in, in um in, in my past i've had to do some project management when i was working in the consulting world so maybe you know maybe there are some lessons learned so i as um as this unfolded last week and I started looking at the timeline, I said to myself, we can probably just, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what happens. Um, and each of us try to split this up directly 50, 50, (laughs) or we can go about this systematically and, um, set a target, um, set some milestones. That's a, that's a PM term for you there michael um set some milestones knock them down
1: first of all pm nice thank you got it from the context clues but
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that i think that coming up with a project management plan here for this for this manuscript is going to be huge in um in getting everything done so I think number one, this is going to help us get us uh, on the same tracks. It's really easy in, I mean, you've done tons of student projects, I'm sure, and, and we've been doing this podcast together, and it's very easy for us to get distracted and get onto side side topics. Yes. So I think it's going to be a good way to keep us um, with the goal in sight, keep us on those tracks, just like a little train. <laughs> By the way, Michael, we are having our um, kickoff meeting. I hope you um, hope you are realizing that.
1: Now, I'm a little worried because that's that's actually two, step 2C. Two
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I see, I had to put down all of this. I had to put, put down one and most of two and get that all together for us tonight. Oh, man. So, Mike, seven weeks to write a full manuscript. Cost? I don't know if there are going to be any cost, but we'll... We'll knock that down as they come around. I've got you. I've got myself down as a project sponsor, which means that you're going to be the PM. So you're going to quarterback this thing. You don't even, you don't even know it yet. You're like, uh, you are the Case Keenum, Case Keenum of the project management.
1: Consummate game manager. Thank you. Pause button though. <laughs> what, what is the project sponsor?
0: Oh, it's a. I mean, essentially because we're two people doing this, they're the same. They're basically the same title.
1: Fine. Okay. So don't worry about it. All right, got it. So
0: typically the project sponsor typically the project sponsor is the person asking for the work mm-hmm. and the one with the who checks all the box the boxes at the very end. So like, you know, DOT is building um I don't know. Uh 215, uh, 235 around Duluth or something like that. You know, they would be the one, uh, the project sponsor would be the DOT and then whoever is doing the construction would be the, would be, end up being Topical, the PM. Topical. Thank you. Topical. Yeah. Very much. Duluth expanding. All right. So I put together the really big thing for this pre initiation phase. I put together a business case and that, <laughs> right. A whole lot of words. <laughs> the biggest thing that I wanted to talk to you about is sort of, um, the objective. I wanted to talk to you about the business objective. why the why the heck are we doing this? You know why are we why do we want to present it Sloan? Mm-hmm. why do we want to put ourselves through that? So I put this down here as a placeholder to try to put words to what I think both of us kind of like, oh yeah, no yeah, totally. We want to do it. Sure. So here's what I have written. The fantasy tools strategic goals include increased listenership and broader appeal. The Sloan Sports Analytic Conference Manuscript will support these goals by increasing the visibility of the podcast tools and validate the rigor of the tools the duo creates. The project will also improve the workflows and methods the fantasy tools employ for their week-to-week work. So, what I'm thinking there is the obvious. We do kind of want to gain more listeners, get ourselves out there, while also doing this in a way that kind of validates the work that we're doing, sort of like you know, give someone else a chance, someone who's not just listening while they're doing the dishes or something, but <laughs> but actually listen to the methods that we're employing and critique us, give us kind of some thoughts along the way. That's the ultimate goal of putting a manuscript out, right?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I to me it's sort of where you what you put down in question or in uh, in status number three, current situation, okay. problem, and opportunity statement that, that I think is sort of the language that I think more in as opposed to the language that is in the business objective. Okay. You talk about identifying why it fits in the business objective, and you have a line in here, the tools or tool components are typically <laughs> reused and expanded but are you said really polished but i think you meant rarely polished rarely <laughs> like rarely is yes we, we rarely if ever take something from to real publishable conclusion like we we work a lot and somewhat half-heartedly put things on github and give access to people and we talk a lot about the spirit of open source and that's definitely in this document but rarely is it a product that would be something that someone could easily download and jump in on.
0: It's going to be a chance to really put our feet to the fire and say, like, this is what we keep on talking about. We get 80% of the way there, 70% of the way there. And this is going to offer us a chance to really polish up our work and um, see what that looks like. Some of the things that I want to talk about here, maybe we'll just, you know, go through. Um, Just go through the business case, I guess i went through the critical assumptions and constraints um and i guess the other place that i wanted to talk about was preliminary project requirements ultimately where do we want to take this manuscript what's the level i mean we i think we both know what the tool is that we want to develop and what where we want to look once we have it kind of fully functioning, fully operational, but what is the alderon that we want to blow up?
1: <laughs> no, you I mean, you make you make a great point. And I think to some extent, sort of the the willy-nilly stuff that we threw together, the the specifics that I demanded that you include in the abstract <laughs> when we were submitting this sort of um indicate the direction that we half heartedly were pivoting towards with this like a a product goal. And so it's a question of whether we continue with that. So we thought, okay, well, we got to throw some specifics in. So Eric, of course, uses this as an opportunity to talk up with Merrifield yet again. But it actually kind of worked here. You know, we needed a demonstration of why growth chart analysis was helpful. And so what do, when we're working on this project, what is the end goal of that? Is it just to talk about how awesome what Merrifield is and why Eric can actually keep him this year, I mean you know <laughs> <that's>, side benefit <laughs> it's legitimate, but and that that does question what the development related features to include i mean we've already we'll talk about this more in the second half, but we've already had a lot of we already had to have a lot of back and forth just to develop what would be step zero,
0: <laughs> yeah, the percentiles, yeah. No, it's a, it's a whole lot of work, but I do think, so I've, I put it out there, you know, in terms of just kind of the development related features We need to get the data management kind of figured out here. And I think we're on the right, on the right um, road for that percentile curves um, for the trend lines. We might want to figure out how we have to parse that. I know that we've already talked about, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the pod. Um, and then, I've got three more pieces that I think are tougher. The analysis methodologies that we want to employ once the tools are kind of up and running, and the mm-hmm. and then the visualization um, that facilitates. Like, how much work are we going to put into cleaning that to a point that it's um, Tufty esque, <laughs> you know? Um, and then last, I think that we want to develop site packages really so that you could be in python doing this i don't think that we want to create like a gui but like if we had a site package to be able to be like boop 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 oh there's whitmerry Boop 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 oh there's domingo santana that's what he looks like for this year and then you know as we're going along next year i think that's one of the ultimate goals in terms of development side and then but then what we what do we want to tackle i do think one of the things that I included in the abstract was talking about minor leagues and saying this is so cool and so flexible that it could work anywhere. Maybe even minor league data. <laughs> if we can get something that passes a sniff test on minor league data, that would be awesome. No, I
1: mean I uh, you know what? Fuck it, I'll say it. I just adding the requirements. We... <laughs> no, no, it's it's not that. I'm confident that this is a method that will lead to important analysis of minor league data like from the flirtation that we had with minor league data this year it's clear that the sample sizes are so small that you want that you have to consider the league baseline as a whole whether you're talking about say the the eastern league or the pacific coast league and this acts to level the playing field on some in some way
0: yeah no this is going to be i think this is going to be yeah as you just said that clip is going to be out there. This, this will work. I mean, the goal,
1: the overarching goal of this method is to push to smaller sample sizes, I think. Oh yeah. And that's, that's why you do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How to push to smaller sample sizes. Well, cool. Um, so that was probably a whole lot of information for our kickoff meeting that might continue after this, this podcast stops recording. Um, I'm going to continue on with the project management planning. um, Basically, you know, we're, we're going to have seven weeks to get
1: this done. We really shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth, but some things are just too funny not to mention. Largely spent just waiting for the fangraphs to respond and i don't blame them for putting for putting some throttling on like
0: some throttling i mean they probably have like really a really old server that they're using oh yeah for sure
1: <laughs> i mean if you you've seen the fangraphs website it's not exactly like modern yeah. and lush it's not tufty-esque one might say
0: yeah it's <laughs> it's barely uh internet 2.0 yeah that's exactly right. <laughs>
1: Well, while Eric has been telling me what to do, I've actually been doing some stuff undirected as I normally do. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm hopeful that the data collection is actually already largely completed. And I put a maybe here because... I'm waiting for uh, the, the project sponsor to tell me exactly what the parameters are I guess here see practicing that lingo hard putting some to use here
0: yeah well we got to come up with the uh, yeah what the requirements are of this uh, project
1: indeed indeed uh, we batted around several conceptual questions as I was putting some log into this and uh, maybe the best thing that I did was force myself to start a new github project so if you haven't been on our github page we're gonna try and keep Track of a bunch of the actual computational work that we're putting in there and of course would welcome any input. Uh, What is there right now is a notebook that will allow you to build the rudimentary growth curve for any player that had an at-bat this year. (laughs) And when I say any player, (laughs) I mean that at Eric's behest, I included pitchers that had two at-bats. I included everyone, everything that, that happened at the plate this year. Um, and you can see the product of letting uh, my computer slam the Fangrass server 946 times, because that's how many guys came to bat this year. And, uh, you know, go for it. Do what you want to do with it. Uh, we're going to advance the tools a little bit more, of course, but I think we've we've largely hopefully you gotten all the data because i will tell you uh the limiting factor is the server response time
0: <laughs> yeah as is as is not surprising yeah your internet is probably not getting
1: housed by the request
0: right you know
1: so we're st- as we still decide on what the project is there will be a lot more to come out of this Therefore I decided to go in a completely orthogonal direction something that took me just a few minutes to set up I decided that I would ask who was Mr Average this year and give us a sense of what's going on what our baseline nice. is and so by Mr Average I mean I built the growth charts out and I looked at the 50th percentile that is the the most the most average score or any number quantity that you could possibly have tallied over the course of the games, and this has some characteristic curve, roughly linear in all in almost all the stats, as you of course would expect for something that is that is spread out over, uh, nine hundred and forty six players. In this giant table, I have access to every single game day value over the course of the year. So we're now, while Eric did this at the week level because it was really um, conducive to our fantasy analysis, when we're switching to actual. Baseball analysis of week is sort of an arbitrary construct so we went with individual games. Now, the guy that's closest to median. Do you want to take a, a guess? Like throw out a couple names and let's just see how ballparky we get. Brandon Phillips. Oh, okay. On the runs. Um on the run side? I was going to say on the RBI side, RBI but side. It could be on the
0: run side as well. Um Markakis.
1: Oh, Nick Markakis. <laughs> Nick Markakis. Is he close? Nick Marcakis is a good one too on the on the run on the home runs and RBI side. Would you like to guess at the, the run side?
0: Oof. So the run side has gotta be someone a little bit speedier. You know, in a regular year, I would say Justin Smoke would be exactly the person that I was thinking, but I know <laughs> that it's not Kendrys Morales. <laughs>
1: You'd be giving him a pretty big boost on the team that he's on. Justin Smoke actually, interestingly, ends the season as Mr. Average. If you only took the last month of the season, he's converged on the 50%. But his, oh, he's back. He's, but his he's curve, back to his usual But his self. curve arcs way up and over. Yeah, so he, yeah. oh, he has this hugely positive second derivative <laughs> over the course of the whole season, which is bad in this case. So in this case, you yeah you a positive second derivative means that you were hot at the start of the season and right. you end right. up you're relatively cold at the end of the season um brandon phillips is an excellent guess on the home runs and rbi side um the guy that actually that actually pops up as your 50 percent marker is john jay
0: oh oh there you so go not that different yeah. like i
1: would say that was a pretty good guess I gotcha. very similar ballpark I gotcha. um i you know I mean, Brandon Phillips appears on this a number, a number of times. So he's definitely in the in the table of of guys that you would expect to see there. Um, Brandon Crawford's another guy that that shows yep. up at the fifty yep. percent line. Um, Did Nick Markakis? Nick Markakis or- comes up a bunch. Um, Ryan Braun okay. comes up a bunch, mostly because of time usage stuff. Ooh. I know it hurts, yeah, but um, because of the time that he wasn't in, he you know he, he hits that a bunch of times. So interesting that that he fell there as well. Um, you know who snuck into the fiftieth percentile on home runs? Hilariously, <laughs> is uh, Jose Altuve. <laughs> <laughs> Not a guy that you expect to be wow. there because you'd expect him to be at, I don't know, the 20%. <laughs> like, why are you hitting yeah, so know he's. Yeah, man. So he's good. So he's an interesting case of where you expect him to go the other way. All right. Mr. Yeah. Runs. The guy that came up just time and time again, Ryan Healy. Ugh, really? I know. So the run side... And this actually tells me something interesting the fact that these these two numbers or these these two metrics um really separated so clearly tells you is telling me something and i don't want to read too far into this yet i mean this is sort of analysis for next year that runs as an individual stat are less valuable than home runs and rbis oh for sure yeah i know but i think you know this is a good quantification where you're like okay well mr average was ryan healy who no one should be owning but yeah. all the guys that we or,
0: or it means that the high run producers are then that much more valuable that's also true as well
1: that's definitely true but as you know the, the converse on the home runs and RBI side those are guys that probably cycled through teams this year i mean mm-hmm. for, for oh some yeah are sure. useful um, so so interesting interesting stuff there liked doing that application, liked giving myself a sense of, oh, this is where uh, Mr. 50% is and um, maybe this conversation will head us in some direction as we're working on the application as I'm starting to just randomly play with some data.
0: Right. we have to do some data mining before we can really really figure out what the questions are that we're gonna ask. <laughs> yeah. All right, you you about ready to wrap this sucker up?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We only discussed the AL in the in the opening. Mm-hmm. So, uh let's talk a little bit of NL. I think, you know, we're both pretty AL centric guys, but there's some interesting stuff going on in the NL. Yeah, that crazy
0: league. <laughs> so, I I texted you during the end of the Nationals um run <clears throat> death throws right before. We're actually in the like I was doing this at the beginning of the game before I actually saw anything. I said that if if the Nationals got through, Michael Taylor was the Daniel Murphy of this year. Yes. And man did he have a good game at the very end. Do you think I mean the fantasy wise, do you think that Michael Taylor could have the season that we've been waiting for next year?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually I do and I think that um someone in your league will invest in him in that way
0: oh yeah someone in my league i
1: mean i'm (laughs) saying this is a as a global all of our listeners you but i know that somebody in our league will do that as well
0: yeah no it's i will say you know if you see him just put this down for for next year folks um if you see him lingering there grab him grab him
1: (laughs) this will definitely not be the last time we say that but yes
0: but then on the opposite side might as well you know dive over to the dodgers is daniel murphy um (laughs) could it be justin turner
1: i i don't think so because justin
0: because that's really torment
1: yeah that's really torment justin turner has had such a long flirtation with with being useful I, he's such an interesting guy because he's but so was Daniel Murphy that was the thing that he was like a guy
0: that was hot every once in a while and then put up decent full season numbers and then couldn't quite put a full season together
1: I, I think I that just know. I think Justin Turner has been owned more than Daniel Murphy over the over the same stretch of the time Daniel
0: Murphy was before
1: before the epic playoff run. Ah, uh,
0: I see. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, Justin Turner this last year has been far more effective than... Now, you can was.
1: argue about what what amount of that was because he's on been on a better team. <laughs> I mean... True. Justin Turner's been bolstered by a lot of good players around him this year. He,
0: yeah, no, he really has been, but it was...
1: Jeez, wow,
0: he had a... I had him in 2015.
1: Yes, you did, and you didn't shut up about him. It's a good thing we didn't have a podcast then, or he would have been the Whit Merrifield.
0: He would have been. Well, he would have been if he didn't get... Mercer? What yeah. the heck? <laughs> that's... That was ridiculous. Speaking of torment, that's something that torment would do, get <laughs>
1: Mercer. It all fit.
0: He screwed up my playoff run, because I was depending on him for his... Uh, um, shortstop and third eligibility and then last year he was super effective so i agree with you yeah he's not coming out of nowhere he's just making he perhaps is making a leap but oof yeah i don't know if i'm gonna i'd be willing to pay the money for him next year
1: oh he's gonna be expensive
0: he's gonna be a top 50
1: player he's gonna be drafted like a top absolutely no i completely agree with that um max rogers value change at all for you um no mr
0: dichromial whatever um I mean, I think this is the same thing can be said about Corey Kluber. You know, people have bad outings, and uh, and someone who struggled all year with health, I I I didn't expect anything. People have good outings and
1: questionable outings, like uh, Kenley Jansen too.
0: Yeah, ooh, his keeper status
1: for you. Where where is that? You want to keep up something called Keeper Watch for Kenley Jansen? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that about brings it to the review
0: session. Michael, you want to take this one away? Indeed,
1: it does. I wanted to get your thoughts on a sticky product here. Dates. (laughs) Whoa. I I would say that, you know, I've been I've enjoyed a an energy bar or two over time. And, you know, sometimes that's all you can find or whatever. And they consistently have dates in them as the binding agent. Do they? As yep. As a sweetening and binding agent. I did not know that. Yeah. And so I uh, I tried my hand at making some myself this week, tossed some dates in a food processor, some oats, some chocolate chips, and you're really in business. It was a pretty good experiment. So I was wondering, this has been a historically, criminally, maybe criminally underused product for me. You have any experience with them? I recall, a number one,
0: I am going to get them confused with prunes in my memory banks. Cool boy. Which I know. Yeah, right, exactly. There's this, there, there's the start, the spark of my feelings on them. <laughs> I remember the like bag of dates that was somewhere in the pantry that every once in a while I'd be like, well, give one of those a try. I don't, you know, it's not something that I, I think that I've put any thought into for um, at least two or three Christmases since the last time I had a date in a, um,
1: in a, uh, whatever they're called bread, fruit cake. I believe that. Cause you, you gotta cake. stick up. You, yeah. yeah you, you gotta bake them into, you gotta bake them into breads. They, they show up in weird places. They show up in cuisines that you're like, does this really need something sweet like this in it? Um, but I, uh, I think I might've found a good use for them. All right. Well, that's, that's good for
0: you. Um, <laughs> I will try one of your, uh, date powered um,
1: sticky granola bars yeah uh, the branding is usually a (laughs) little bit different than date powered sticky granola bars but you know I think that we found a name let's let's pitch this
0: time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter fantasy tools mind the Z thank you mild manner for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy.
1: Worst of luck to you, too.